We serve a good God. We serve a good and living God. He is not just good and living. He is compassionate. The God we serve or the one who created us, created us for productivity. That is just one word in place of saying he created us to be fruitful, to multiply, to replenish, and to fill the earth. He created us not just to be what we are. He created us that we would be fruitful, we would be productive. God has not created just for us to just exist, but rather to be industrious in our lives. And to do this, he gives us all that we ever need to be productive. Hallelujah. He also gives us purposes to fulfill. And in that purpose, we have to be productive, we have to be industrious. So no human being on earth is here just to exist. Just to breathe in air, eat, and then that's it. No, there is something you are here to accomplish. And God wants you to be productive or to be fruitful in that. Anything that keeps you away from being productive, God is concerned. God is concerned and in his compassion, he reaches out and he liberates us. Hallelujah. God is good. Praise God. Hallelujah. What I want us to, what I want us to understand this morning is this. When God gives us the things he gives us for our rest and productivity, there are man-made policies and rules that condemns and restricts. But Jesus, his truth and power always liberates us. To be productive. Hallelujah. Let me put it this way. When man-made policies and rules condemns and restricts, Jesus' truth and power liberates us from productivity. Because he created us to be productive, to be fruitful, multiply, replenish, fill the earth. That is the agenda for us. Come with me now to the book of Luke, chapter 6, please. Verses 1 to 11. Here in this passage, as we heard in the reading, just in case we 
missed out all for the sake of repetition and emphasis. The passage in Luke 6, 1 to 11 tells us that Jesus, on a Sabbath, was walking through the cornfields with his disciples. They were, then they decided to break the, you know, the corn heads. Walking in the wilderness, walking in the cornfield, breaking the corn heads. Matthew 12, Matthew 12, which also gives us the same account. Matthew tells us that they did that because they were hungry. So they broke the corn heads, wrapped them in their hands as they were walking. And they break, rub, as they're going. Now, this was allowed in the Jewish system. If you're hungry, going through cornfields, you can break and eat there. As long as you don't break them to take them home, that's stealing. But if you're in the cornfield or you're in the farm, you can break and eat right there. You should satisfy your hunger and go away. So they were doing that. And some Pharisees saw them and said to them, why are you breaking the Sabbath law? It's not lawful. What are you doing? Breaking the heads of corn and rubbing them in your hands and eating? You are breaking the Sabbath. Oh, it's, not, it's not lawful. <laughs> Jesus then asked them, Have you not read that David, when he was hungry, went to the temple, house of, house of God, and at the holy bread, this holy bread, you know, in the, on, the, on the altar in the, in, in, the, in the temple, they had the holy bread there. And um, every Sabbath, they would take the one that has been there for a week, they would take it and replace fresh bread. So the one that they've taken away, it was still holy and only the priest can eat it. But David was hungry with his men. When he went away from Saul, he asked for that bread and he ate it. So just reminds them of, of that. Then he goes into another Sabbath, goes into the house, goes into the synagogue. And again, Matthew tells us that there was a man. So Matthew 12, there was, there was a man there who they asked, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? Because they were looking for an opportunity to accuse Jesus. Jesus then in response, as we, as we read in Luke, so what we see, praise God, what we see in Luke is, is, is the response of Jesus. What he says, is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath? Is it lawful to save life on the Sabbath? And... Um, Mark makes us to understand, Mark 3 makes us to understand that they were quiet. They wouldn't respond. And Jesus was upset with that, was angry with them. And he told the man, stretch forth your withered hand. The man stretched forth the withered hand, and the hand was healed. And Luke in verse 11 says, they were filled with madness. They were filled with madness. They were angry. They were furious. Why? Because he's, once again, that was not lawful 
on the Sabbath. Broken the Sabbath. So this passage, as we can see, is mainly about the Sabbath and what happened. The Sabbath appears about five or six times in this short passage. So the main focus here is on the Sabbath and what happened. God have mercy. Hallelujah. Now, why were these leaders, the Pharisees, so uptight about the Sabbath? Why? Well, they were uptight about the Sabbath because one, it's a command of God for them to keep it. But the way they were going about it, was that what it was supposed to be? That's another question. What, I, what I'm saying here this morning is this. God gives us precious things. God gives us great resources or great things or great avenues, great opportunities, great people. But often, we twist them for our own ends and they become unuseful. They, con they then condemn and they restrict people. But if used as God gives it, it brings rest and it brings productivity. Right. The Sabbath, let's understand, is something that is on the, in the old, that comes from the Old Testament. The first time we come across this idea of Sabbath is in Exodus 16, which we read earlier on. God after the children of Israel came from Egypt, gave them the Sabbath to observe. And he gave them in connection with the time that he gave them the manna. You know when they were hungry, complaining, and memory that there was no food to eat and they were going to die? God then gave them the manna to eat. And when he gave them the manna in Exodus 16, God said to them, they were to collect the manna every morning for six days. But on the seventh day, they were not to collect the manna. They were to collect double on the sixth day. So that on the seventh day, they wouldn't need to go out. Because on the seventh day, they were to do no work. That's Exodus 16. All this is in Exodus 16. And... It will also interest us to know that this is the first time that word Sabbath is introduced to the Israelites. It was not something they were aware of. Um, the passage makes it very, very clear. Exodus 16, very clear. It says... 
verse, 20, verse 22. And it came to pass that on the sixth day, they gathered twice as much bread, two omens of one for one man, and all the rulers of the congregation came and told Moses. And he said unto them, This is that which the Lord has said. Tomorrow is a rest of the holy Sabbath unto the Lord. Bake that which you will today, and seethe or boil that which you will boil. And that which remaineth over lay out for you to be kept unto the morning. And they laid it up till the morning, as Moses bade, uh, instructed, instructed them, and it did not stink, neither was there any worms therein. And Moses said, Eat that today, for today is a Sabbath unto the Lord. Today you shall not find it in the field. Six days you shall gather it, but on the seventh day, which is the Sabbath, in it there shall be none. And it came to pass. See, people will always try. I won't tell them, don't do something. They'll always try. And it came to pass that they went out, some of the people, on the seventh day, for to gather, and they found none. They, you always get those kind of people in every system, in every community. You get those who always want to do the wrong thing. You know, they want to go against the grain. And the Lord said unto Moses, How long refuse ye to keep my commandment and my laws? See, for that the Lord hath given you the Sabbath. Therefore he giveth you on the sixth day the, day, the bread of two days. Abide ye every man in his place, and let no man go out of his place on the seventh day. So the people rested on the seventh day. This is the first time they are introduced to this Sabbath. And they said that they rested. Now, if, you remember, if you're a good Bible student, you will remember that in Genesis 2, the Bible says after, after God had made all his work in six days, on the seventh day, God rested. On the seventh day. And here we see a principle, a principle of God. That, you see, it is good for man to rest. God worked six days and rested on the seventh day. But we don't see that communicated to Abraham or anybody, but here we see the first time introduced to the Israelites to keep, after they've come out of Egypt. It is a principle or it is a rule for it's something that God gave man God gave them or it's a principle that we can learn from Genesis that it is a universal principle that you know what you don't work seven days continue seven days seven days you don't, seven, without rest it's madness so God in his wisdom instituted that there be rest in a day there be rest in the day. That when you've done your work for six days, rest. Have a day where you rest as God did. But today, there are many who say, do you know what? No, no rest. Let's keep on working. And they will work you seven days. I remember a young man who came to this country some years ago and he, where he came from, you know, there was a day of rest. And when he came here, he was told, no, 
Every day is normal. Every day is a working day. And he said to me, Pastor, he said, yeah, they say every day is a working day. And I said, but what do you know? He said, well, they say every day is a working day, so I have to work. He said, they say, man will always try to manipulate or twist the things that God gives. So God has given us precious things in life. It's for rest and for productivity. Let, let's continue. Let's continue. You will see what God meant. I mean, very soon. Let's, let's continue. You might say, I've gone ahead of myself. So in the Decalogue, in the, in the Ten Commandments, if you read Exodus chapter 20, in Exodus 20, the, um, the verses 8, the verses 8 and the verse 11, we see the Lord says, remember the Sabbath day. You see, here, the remember is not because of Genesis. Hello? Let me make that very clear. The remember here is not because right from Genesis they've been observing it. No, the remember here is because of, it's because of Exodus 16 when God had introduced it. So God rested on the seventh day. It's a principle that all men may follow. But here in Exodus 16, God introduced it to Israel. So that's why in 20, chapter 20 of Exodus, he, he can say, remember, because I've already told you. So remember the... Remember the Sabbath day to keep it what? Holy. Now, when we come to Exodus 31, come with me. Exodus 31, it becomes more beautiful. God um, goes, Exodus 31, please, and the verse, from the verse 13. Exodus 31 from the verse 13. Right. In verse 13, it reads, Praise God. It reads, Speak thou also to the children of Israel. And the Lord spake unto Moses, sorry, uh, Speak thou also unto the children of Israel, saying, Verily my Sabbaths ye shall keep. It's a sign between who? Me and you throughout your generation. So God made a sign between himself and Israel. It was a sign of his covenant with them. There was a covenant between God and Abraham. And a sign for the covenant was circumcision, male circumcision. Here, God is saying, I made a covenant with Israel, your children now, children of Israel. And the sign is the keeping of the Sabbath for me. Right. That you may know that I am the Lord that does sanctify you. Verse 14. You shall keep the Sabbath therefore, for it is holy unto you, Everyone that defileth it shall surely be put to death. So, there is, so could that be the reason why the, the, the leaders were so uptight about it? Because there was death penalty. Let's go on. For whosoever doeth any work therein, no work. You see, so the Sabbath was for, there was no work. 
No work therein. That soul shall be cut off from among his people. So anyone who goes to do any work on the Sabbath day, you'll be cut off. Six days may work be done, but in the seventh is the Sabbath of rest. The purpose of the Sabbath was for rest. Holy to the Lord, whosoever does any work in the Sabbath day, he shall surely be put to death. The reason I created you is for you to fulfill my purpose here on this earth. You need to rest, to recuperate. Let's go on, let's go on, let's go on. Verse 16, wherefore, the children of Israel shall keep the Sabbath to observe the Sabbath throughout their generation for a perpetual covenant. It is a sign between who? Between me and the children of Israel forever. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, and on the seventh day he rested and was re... Oh, come on. And was re... At home, say with me. And was refreshed. Hallelujah. So what was the purpose? Rest for refreshing. Oh, come on, let's say it again. Rest for refreshment. That you will be refreshed, God gave the Sabbath. Hallelujah. Amen. That was what it was for. Okay, so Israel was to observe it and praise be to God. As they went on, we, God further, you know, God gave further details. So we know that it was a day you don't work, a day you rest for what purpose? Recuperation for refreshment. Now you'll be refreshed. <laughs> God made us. God made man. And in Genesis, he shows us, he, put us, he gives us a principle. That the way I made you, you need rest to recuperate. You can't run on seven days in, seven days out, seven days in, seven days out. No. Many people are violating this just simple, this, 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 you know, universal principle of God. And that's why many are stressed out. Many are worn out. There is a need for rest, for refreshment. Hallelujah. So if you do a job, and that job requires that you are forever, you know, going on. Seven, you are seven days in, seven days out. Hey. It's a sin. Because sin is missing the mark. Hello? Sin is not observing what you're meant to observe. It's a sin. Stop it. 
Have a day. You rest. Amen. Let's continue. Deuteronomy chapter 5. I want to read something to you. Just emphasize this point. Deuteronomy chapter 5 and verse 12. It reads, Keep the Sabbath day to sanctify it. Hello? To sanctify means set it apart. Respect it. Hallelujah. Respect it. As the Lord thy God had commanded you, six days you shall, you shall labor. Six days labor. Hello? If you do five, fine, but six, six days is good. Okay? If you do Monday to Friday, Saturday, just do, do something at home and then, you know, on a seventh day rest. Amen? Praise God. So six is fine. Hmm. I used to do bakery some years ago, bakery work, and it was hard, and it was six, it was six days. I used to console myself with this scripture. At least it says six days, so that's fine. But it was killing. It's a hard job. <laughs> God have mercy. But the seventh, verse 14, but the seventh day, hello? But the seventh day is a Sabbath of the Lord thy God. In it thou shalt not do any work. Thou nor thy son. You see, don't pass that job onto your son. Well, I'm observing Sabbath. John, you do that. Andrew, you saw that out. I'm observing Sabbath. No, you are resting. Your son must also rest. Hello? It gets interesting. No, thy daughter. <laughs> Juliet, you know I can't cook because it's Sabbath. So you go and cook. No, if you can't cook, daughter can't cook. Hello? Because in the Sabbath, God also told them there should be no fire lit. You know, no fire lit was a way of prohibiting you from falling to any trap. You know, oh, we lit a fire. Uh, can I just boil a little tea, a little kettle? No, no, no fire. So you don't get into any problem. No fire. Okay. Maybe you think that because you can do it, your son can't do it, your daughter can't do it, maybe your servants can do it. God says, ah, ah, ah. He says, no, thy main servant. No, thine ox. No, thine ass. No, any of thy cat. So basically, none of your cat. Well, we, we are not going by, you know, the cattle can plow the field by themselves today. No, cattle too can't can do it. No, or maybe we are Israelites, we, we can do it. So the stranger who has come to visit us is exempt. God says, no, the stranger, if you can't do it, if the stranger does it, he's doing it for you. On that day, I'm saying rest. So stranger can't do it for you either. Any stranger within your, within your gates, any stranger within your house, any stranger within your gates, you can't do it. That thy manservant and thy maidservant may rest as well as thou. You see, so basically, God is looking out for the well-being of the people he has created. For what? To, be ref to rest for productivity. The rest was for productivity. 
so we will be refreshed for the next day, for the next week coming. Hallelujah. This is God's wisdom for all. Something he did right in Genesis before, before Israel was even in the, in the picture. So that tells us it is universal. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. On the seventh day. But you see, the question is this. So then, does it have to be on the seventh day? Well, that's another issue. And do we have to call it Sabbath? Well, until Exodus 16, we didn't have a name. In Genesis, God just rested. He didn't call it any, anything. It was in Exodus, so we have the name Sabbath. Hello? So it's the seventh day? Yes, yeah, seventh day. It was the seventh day they were to rest. So must it be on the seventh day? What are others doing then on the first day? Because today, most people, most people call it the lost day. And on the lost day is the first day of the week. So what's happening here? Do we have a command for a change of day? There is no particular verse that talks about a, a, a change of day, particular command to change the, the day. But we know that the Bible says that we are built upon the apostles and prophets. But the apostles of Christ were, after Christ, were fellowshipping on the first day of the week. And the church of Christ has continued from, from there. How did they get to do that? They started doing that because, number one, Christ resurrected on the first day of the week. And on the first day of the week, he told them he would meet them. And he met about four different groups on that first day of the week. So the believers went on doing that. Kept on meeting on the first day of the week. We also get to see that the ascension, the ascension has been calculated that the ascension happened on the first day of the week. And Pentecost, the day the Holy Ghost came, Pentecost also happened on the first day of the week. And then later on, you hear in the writings of, of Paul telling the church, when you gather on the first day of the week, take your co collections. So we get to see that it was something they had picked up from the master. Praise God. And they continued to meet on the first day of the week. Hallelujah. Praise God. So the, disciples, so the disciples of Christ continued with that. And they call it the Lord's Day. Now, when God created the whole earth, he rested on the seventh day. Now, when Christ, the Bible says that Christ, Jesus, in John, we understand he made all things. And without him was nothing made that was made. Hallelujah. So he made all things. Including the creation. But here we see him do 
and another do another great and awesome work called the work of redemption. So here we see a greater work done, the work of redemption. So is it not proper and appropriate that a, a day is set apart to keep the redemption work as a memorial? That on the law, so he be, the disciples now began to fellowship. He appeared unto them on the lost on, on that first day of the week. And the disciples kept on fellowshipping on that first day of the week. And I read the, when I read the book of Acts, when the Gentiles came into the faith, and the Jews believers had to give them certain rules to follow, I realized that they, all they said, they did not say, you know what, you have to make sure that you are meeting on the on seventh day. They didn't talk about that at all. The only thing they mentioned was, hey, make sure you are not eating meat, sacrificed to idols or blood. That was it. We will not bind you with any commandment. So the church has been meeting on the first day of the week. And that's what has been carried out. Why? It's called the Lord's Day as a way of honoring the work of redemption. That we are now redeemed into the kingdom of our God. Hallelujah. What are we saying here? So that was just to say, that is the issue about the Sabbath, right? And what it means to us in a, in a, in a sense. But whether a day or name or whatever is not an issue, but the rest for recuperation we must adhere to. So on this day of rest, the disciples are going through the... So having cleared that Sabbath challenge and the church right now, Let's come back to the story of Luke chapter 6. They're going through the wilderness, and um, the disciples are plucking the, the, the head of corn and breaking it, rubbing them in their hands and eating because they're hungry. Now, watch this. The disciples are going through the cornfields with Jesus Christ. They are breaking corn heads and eating them. These corn heads are not cooked. They're not roasted, just raw. Hungry. Indicating that food was not always available. Hello? Hello? Some people, unless there is food, they won't appear in the church. Unless there is food, they won't, appear, they won't follow Christ. But at one time, Christ dealt with that issue. When some people were following him because of food, he said, you know what, you are following me because of food. You see, the disciples did not always have food. Because here, going through cornfields, breaking corn, raw corn, just to eat. But as they were doing that, the Pharisees saw them and said, why are you doing what's not lawful? Now, this is the issue. This is the issue. This is the issue. Why, what was wrong? According to Deuteronomy, if you are hungry, and they were hungry. Matthew says they were hungry. So for hunger, they were eating this. But they say, no, whether you are hungry or not, Sabbath must be obeyed. Well, you must, you must be hungry, but no, Sabbath is Sabbath. Then Jesus Christ said, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. There is something not right here. Why are you accusing my disciples of taking one, taking corn, 
rubbing them in your hands, and you roll corn. Don't you have any compassion upon them? Now, let me remind you. You uphold David as your king par excellence. He is your most revered personality or kin. But this same person went to the temple and took holy bread, which only the priest was allowed to eat on the Sabbath day because the bread was changed every Sabbath. And you have no problem with that. But these disciples are eating, just breaking the corner, just ordinary corn in a farm, and you are saying it's unlawful. So here, Jesus defends them from the accusation of the Pharisees. Why? Because the Pharisees, this Sabbath that God has given them, they have modified it. So in their modification, what the disciples were doing were wrong. God said no work. The work you do six days, don't do it on that day. But they, in their modification, they modified the Sabbath law to mean that rubbing the corn in their hands was work. So if you take peanuts and you crack, you know those monkey peanuts, monkey peanuts. If you take a monkey peanut and you crack it on a Sabbath day, that's they call, they, they, they call that as work. There are so many rules. They develop so many rules about working on the Sabbath. God says, "Don't carry any, don't carry any load on a Sabbath day." You know what they say? Even carrying a handkerchief in your pocket is carrying something. The only thing you have to carry when you leave your house should be your, the clothes you are wearing. You can't even carry your own house keys. Some of the laws even forbids relieving yourself. You know what relief means? Hmm. Easing yourself on the Sabbath day. Some of the laws even said, no, you can't even do that. Hold it till, till after the Sabbath. It, that, we're ridiculous laws. So here, they were accusing the disciples, making them feel guilty for something they did not be guilty about at all. These disciples were exercising their liberty in Christ. Hello. In Matthew's gospel, in, in, he says that, he, he tells them, when they, when they say those things, he said, don't the priests, in the, um, don't the priests in the temple, in the temple, don't the priests do work in the temple? Because the priests are allowed to do work in the temple. Because they say that in the, in the temple, there is no Sabbath in the, in the temple. Because in the, in the temple, the priest has to carry things, lift things up and all that. And that will go against them. So they say, Sabbathism is not in the temple. The, the temple is free from Sabbath. So when you enter the temple, you are free from Sabbath. Because in the, in the temple, they realize that the priest has to do some work. So Christ said, okay, if you say in the temple is free from Sabbath, then I tell you, a greater than the Sabbath 
is here. Hallelujah. A greater than the Sabbath is here. Because you say on the Sabbath day, the priests can work in the temple and there is no problem. Then a greater than the Sabbath is here. I am Lord of the Sabbath. Verse 5. So in me, in Christ, freedom. Hallelujah. Praise God. So in me, they are free. So they were exercising their freedom in Christ. But hey, these people will not let them go. Trying to put them under guilt. Trying to put them under guilt. What are we saying here? What we are saying here is this. There are man-made, man-made policies and, and, and rules that would often condemn your liberty in Christ. Do not allow man-made policies and rules to make you feel guilty about your excess, about accessing your liberty that is in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. If he has set you free, you are free. But you see, what I'm not saying is that do whatever you like and say, well, that's my, that's my freedom in, in, in Christ. Christ used the truth to liberate the disciples. Because the Pharisees were, were going to nail them. Why are you doing that? It's unlawful. It's unlawful. And they may be cut off. But he defended them. Hallelujah. He defended them. Amen. And said, hey, David did that. What do you say about that? So if you can condemn David, then you can write to condemn these people. In Christ Jesus, let's make sure that we are standing by his truth. Walking in his truth. So when man-made rules and policies come, let's make sure that we know the truth of Christ to standing and to exercise our liberty in Christ and not be bound by man-made policies because they will make you feel guilty. And the moment you feel guilty, your productivity goes down because you're feeling guilty and condemned. You wouldn't rise up to do anything for the kingdom of God. You won't be able to advance God's kingdom as long as you're feeling guilty and condemned. But Bible says, there is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. And my Bible tells me he stands at the right hand side of the throne making intercession for us. He still defends. Praise Jesus. He is on your side to defend you against all those accusations. All those man-made accusations. You know, you know, God has given us beautiful things in life, but men will often twist them. I'm talking about man-made policies and rules and ideas and ideologies. Sometimes, you see, the original idea from God is... It's great, but 
people often twist them. And when they twist them and present them before you, it becomes ugly. And if you don't follow it, they'll tell you, wow, you are breaking rules. But whose rules are we breaking here? Man's or God's? Hello? As long as, you see, you see, Jesus in his, <laughs> Christ shows his compassion here. Men are hungry. They need to eat. You're telling them, no, you can't. Because it's the Sabbath. It's not lawful. People, are, people hide under, you know, policy. Well, it's company policy. I can't help you. The computer says, computer, I've got a genuine humanitarian need. Help me. He said, my computer says, the policy says, call the boss. Well, no, company policy. I can't call the, I can't call the boss when he's not on the job. So we should suffer and die. Well, sorry, but the policy says, policy. Man-made rules are making people inhumane like these leaders, like these Pharisees. They were inhumane. No compassion. People are suffering. And people are using rules and certain codes. We have a code book. It's called the Bible. Hallelujah. Remember, remember, we are in a different kingdom. It's called the kingdom of God. And the code book of that kingdom is the Bible. If you get them mixed up, you live under condemnation and guilt in trying to exercise your liberty in Christ. Before you throw stones at me this afternoon, think about the truth we are talking about. Before you throw the stones, consider the compassion of Christ where hungry disciples are breaking corn to eat and they're going and, and they're being condemned for doing so. When Christ, the Lord of the Sabbath, was standing right there, the one who has a right to decide what was allowed and what was not allowed. And God never even mentioned that. God says, Don't work. Your, your, your normal job, don't do it on that day rest. He said, breaking, rub, rubbing the corn together, corn out, is, it's work. So it's wrong. And because of that, deny people legitimate compassion. God have mercy. God have mercy. I said, God have mercy. Men will do that, but you understand and know that Christ is present with compassion to liberate you from such guilt and condemnation by his truth. Let his truth be the thing that takes you through the society that we live in now. To God be the glory. Have you not heard? Have you not read? That David, you see, someone is saying, well, 
then it means that we are rebels. No, we're not rebels. We are citizens of another kingdom. We belong to the kingdom of God. We're not rebels. We belong to the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God demands that we operate by the code book of the kingdom, which is the scriptures. Hallelujah. He said, well, but, but the law says, we, we, we must be law-abiding. Yeah, Christ said something. He said, hey, you have left the weightier matters of the law, mercy, compassion, and love. You've left those things. And you're hooking on to lawfulness, lawfulness, lawfulness. And in lawfulness, you are crushing people, destroying lives. But mercy, judgment, and compassion is abundant. God have mercy. God have mercy. God have mercy. Then he comes into the temple. Let me quickly move on to the, to the, to the temple. Sorry, come to the synagogue. In the synagogue is a man. Matthew says that the man, they ask him. Matthew 12, they, are, they, are, they, are, they ask him, uh, um, is it okay for, is it lawful for a man to be healed on the Sabbath? Healed on the Sabbath. He just looked look at them and said, is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath? Is it lawful to save life on the Sabbath? He said, you guys, when your sheep falls down in a pit, which you are not allowed to, you will, lead the, you will pick the sheep up. What they say was, the argument was that, is you can only help a sick person if they are at the point of dying. But as long as the man can go back home and come back tomorrow, it's fine, he can go. Don't heal him on a Sabbath day. Healing him on a Sabbath day is work. And Christ says, the Sabbath was given for rest, for you to be refreshed, to recuperate, for more energy, for productivity. But you made a bondage. You are restricting this man's healing because of Sabbath. You are using what God has given for rest and for productivity now to cripple, to, to keep the man's dis, 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 disability. You are using your man-made laws to make the man disabled, to keep the man disabled. And there are many man-made laws today that have made able bodies disabled. People can't seem to function because they've come under, you know, they can't seem to function. Their productivity has gone down, has been reduced. When we're supposed to advance in God's kingdom, we're not able to. Why? Because man-made laws and policies have crippled us, have disabled us. But God is merciful. God is compassionate. By his power, he breaks. So by his power in the synagogue, he told the man, sweep off your hand. The man did. And he healed the man. Now the man has an able hand to go out and be productive. But they were going to send him back on a Sabbath day, still disabled, still handicapped, and can't do much. But God's, God's truth and power is ever-present to liberate, to liberate. Don't allow 
any man-made rules and blessings to restrict you from your productivity. Let the truth and the power of Christ do it. Maybe you are in an environment where you are restricted so much. You are, you are restricted. The very air seems stale. But hey, let the truth of Christ, that he came to liberate. He came to liberate us. He came that we might be liberated from every restriction so we can be productive, so we can be fruitful, so we can multiply. The kingdom of God provides rest for productivity for God's people. Hallelujah. Provides rest and productivity. He's a compassionate savior. He's a compassionate emancipator who will liberate us so we can have rest, so we can be productive, so we can be productive. Maybe you are saying, yeah, I don't know what to do. I'm caught. I know I'm not being productive. I know I'm not being able to be fruitful as I want to be. Hey, Talk to Jesus. Talk to him. Talk to him. Say, let your truth prevail. Let your truth prevail. Let your truth prevail in my circumstance. And let your power bring me this freedom for rest and productivity in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise God. You see, maybe you are hearing me this afternoon. You know you are not born again. What I mean is this, you know you're not a Christian. You know you're not. And man-made rules and policies and laws have, you know, filled your mind so much. You don't know the truth, truth, truth about Christ. Nothing that you do that promotes God's name or God's glory in the earth. If you are that kind of person today, I say to you, you must be born again. Your mind is being ruled by man-made ideas. Christ needs to come into your heart. He will give you rest and you think that you must... Work and you, you are probably enslaving other people too. Working, you are just working your life out and you're forever ill and sick. His truth will bring you rest. Today, you can apply to him and say, Lord Jesus, save me. I've come to understand from this text that this, 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 this message that you are the compassionate emancipator. Bring me freedom. I want to be free. That I can serve God. My sins have bound me. My sins have held me down. I have no respect for the things that you've created. So I pollute them. I destroy them. It's called iniquity. You want to pray say, Lord, forgive me all these things. 
and save me. You see, the rest of God, before I end here, let me say this. The rest I'm talking about is twofold. It's physical and spiritual. Physical rest means you stop all the work that you do, the work you do, money, six days, you stop those work. You, 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 you physically take rest. Rest. I'm not talking about rest like the, you know, like the Pharisees had it. In their rest, you can't even erase something. Even if you use an eraser, it's work. I'm not talking about that kind of work. But where you actually rest from your main job and rest your body. Then there's also the spiritual rest. But the spiritual rest is not inactivity. The spiritual rest is what you and me are doing right now. Hearing. In the, in the spiritual rest, you give rest to your soul by feeding your mind, your will, and your emotions with the truth of God, with fellowship with the brethren, with the household of God, with the family, in meditation, feeding the soul with the truth of God. You actually physically pause and let your soul feed upon that which comes from God. And see what your life becomes the next week. And the next week. And the next week. And the next week. Your productivity will soar. Your productivity will hit the roof. Why? Because you're following God's universal principle. Pray with me. You say, Lord Jesus, I want to be a Christian because I'm not. Give me a new life today. Change me. I want, to be, I want to be yours. I want to serve you. I want to be a member of your kingdom. I've been under guilt and restrictions, but I've come to understand that Jesus, you are the compassionate emancipator, the, the, the compassionate savior, the compassionate liberator. Today, grant me liberation from the guilt of sin and all that I'm bound with. Help me, Lord. Help me, Lord. Before I go, this is not part of my message, but I want to do this. It's not part of my message, but I want to do this. It's not, it's not, so what I mean is it's not part of the text. It's not in the text here, but I want, to do, I want to do something. No, I wasn't, I'm not going to ask you for money. No. I'm going to ask you to pray with me. And I want you to turn with me to 2 Samuel, please. Chapter 23. 23, the 23rd verse, the 23rd chapter, please. 
And I want you to read with me. The verse 1 to 3. Verse 1 to 3. Verse 1 to 3. It reads this. Now these be the last, the last words of David. David, the son of Jesse, said, The man who was raised up on high, the anointed of the God of Jacob, and the sweet psalmist of Israel, said, Watch this. He said, The Spirit of the Lord spake by me, and his word was in my tongue. God's Spirit spoke to him, and God's word was in his tongue. And this was it. He says, The God of Israel said, The rock of Israel spake by, to me, and said, He that ruleth over men must be just. Ruling in the fear of God. I want you to pray with me this afternoon, wherever you are. Please don't move about. If you can be stationary, have respect for, for God wherever you are, in your homes. And let's do these two prayers. The first prayer is this. We are praying that all who rule, all over, the, all over the earth, all who rule, they will come under the conviction of the, of the Spirit of God to rule justly. That all who rule in any capacity, anybody who is a ruler in any place, home, school, church, nation, wherever, that we will rule justly. That will come under the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Lift your voice and begin to pray. Oh Lord God, we pray. That all who rule in any part of, of, of the earth of God that you've created, wherever men are, that rule, whether in the church, whether in the office, in the schools, in the, in, in, in the nation, in the borough, in the country, in the, in the, in the, in the town, wherever it is, Lord, we are praying that all who rule, will come under the conviction of the Spirit to rule justly. To rule justly. To rule justly. To rule justly. Oh, this is our prayer, Father. From this house, from Christ City Church this afternoon, this is our prayer. Second prayer, we also prayed. That all who, all who have the rule over others will have the fear of God in them to treat those who they rule with respect. I said a prayer again. That all who rule, we are praying that all who rule will have the fear of God to treat those who they rule over with respect, with respect, with respect. Oh, Father, this is our prayer this afternoon. That all who rule will have your fear in them. As you said to David, that they will rule with, with respect to those they rule over. For ruling is not dominance. Ruling is to make sure there's order. Rule is just to set a standard. For the job of the ruler is to set a standard. That we will do the standard setting. 
with respect those whom we set the standards for. That we indeed will set the standard. That the standard we set for others to follow, we will follow the same standard. We will not set one rule for the people and open by one rule, by another rule. This we pray heavily, Father. In the name of Jesus. 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 Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. And don't forget, Jesus liberates from man-made rules and policies that restricts from productivity. God bless you.